0: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Truth About Real Estate podcast. Today, we're here with Sari Iram, and he is the founder of Financial Asset Protection. And today, we're going to learn more about bank on yourself and what that means and how uh, he teaches his clients uh, and audience to bank on yourself and create wealth uh, wealth protection. So welcome, Sari. Let's talk about uh, bank on yourself. And let's talk about you and everything that's going on in the industry right now.
1: Hey, Matthew. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Cool. So uh, let's talk about, like, tell me more about, you know, you and your company and how you got started in all of this.
1: Yeah, definitely. So the way I got started into this, I've been in the insurance business, insurance financial services industry for about five years. I I mostly started off working in business insurance, uh, commercial insurance, and, and then I got into Medicare, where I was a Medicare broker. And I was helping, like, retirees shift from their retirement plans into their own individual Medicare plans. And during that time, one of my clients asked me if I could help him with life insurance. And I wasn't really sure of all the different life insurance parts. So I started doing a little bit more research on that. And I went to Amazon and started searching for books on life insurance. And I came across this book called The Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. And the book pretty much talks about using the bank on yourself concept, which is using whole life insurance mainly for the cash use for the living benefits rather than the actual life insurance part. So I, I read the book and I became super attracted to the concept and the content in the book. And I even, uh, I, I purchased my own bank on yourself policy and I became a professional. They have like an eight week training program that I went through to become a bank on yourself professional. And that's when we founded Financial Asset Protection. So Financial Asset Protection, we were a bank on yourself professional organization. Uh, our main focus is using the bank on yourself concept, which is the dividend paying whole life insurance, mainly for the cash use. And we were able to niche down and focus on real estate investors, which is how you and I met. Uh, A lot of my work is focused on real estate investors using the bank on yourself concept.
0: Nice. And how does like when you describe bank on yourself to uh, people who are interested in learning more, uh, what do you say to them and like how do they start the process?
1: Yeah, definitely. So uh, pretty much I start off by talking about what it is exactly. It's also known as the infinite banking concept. Um, And it pretty much uses a special type of whole life insurance that's been around for over 160 years, but it's used with a more of a modern twist or a modern form. And that is, it's based more so on the cash value. So for those of you who are not familiar, whole life insurance has two main functions or two purposes. One is the cash value part, and the other is the life insurance part. The cash value part earns dividends and earns interest from the insurance company it's a part of, which explains why it grows every year. And the fact that it grows every year, it adds other benefits that you, you can't really find in other financial vehicles, like investing in the stock market, investing in CDs, money market. Those all have their own different ways of growing. And uh, and I'll, I'll definitely get into more of that. And I'll kind of even compare as to how Bank on Yourself is even better than using those methods. But that's pretty much how it works. And I, and I explain that when I meet somebody that there is this such thing as the Bank on Yourself concept. Um, and I share with them the content that I've done on other podcasts and, and the, even the book to the Bank on Yourself Revolution book to give them an idea of how they even get started with this concept or learning about this concept.
0: Yeah, I think when most people start learning about life insurance, there's, you know, insurance agents who just sell life insurance as it is just like, hey, you know, if you just in case anything happens, you have life insurance or short term life, whole life, universal life. And there's different ways you can utilize those uh, depending on age, health and in the family status and everything, but there are some agents uh, who actually specify and say, hey, you can use whole life insurance as a additional vehicle towards your investment or towards using the cash and dividends. Um, and I'll let you explain more about that, um, how that all works. But those are some of the ways people are talking about life insurance and introducing it to you know uh, clients, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it does have numerous functions, numerous purposes. Uh, it could be used, you know, life insurance can be actually used for the life insurance part. Uh, and that's a good thing too, of course. But if we're talking more about real estate investing, running a business, we're talking more about liquidity and, and the use of your cash, you know, of course, while you're living. So that's where we focus on. And that's what the concept mostly focuses on. And that's how we build the policies because the policies have to be built a special way. It can't just, it can't just be any whole life policy from any company. It has to be, number one, be whole life insurance. It can't be term or universal. It has to be whole life. Number two, it has to be from a mutual insurance company uh, as opposed to a stock-owned insurance company. Mutual insurance companies give their dividends and profits back to the policy owners, whereas stock-owned insurance companies give their dividends and profits back to the shareholders. So it okay. must be a mutual insurance company.
0: Can you name some mutual insurance companies just in general who uh, so people our audience can know, oh, they, they're actually working with a mutual insurance company because they might yes. not know?
1: Yeah, so there's four companies we deal with specifically. Uh, one of them is Mass Mutual. The second one is Lafayette Insurance Company. Third is Security Mutual. And the fourth is Forests Financial.
0: Okay. And there's another one out there too. New York Life is probably a, a big one as well.
1: Yeah, so New York Life is good. It's a mutual insurance company. The thing is, is uh, there's another factor to consider with the bank on yourself concept, and that is the flexibility of being able to put money in and take money out uh through the paid up additions rider with new york life their paid up additions rider isn't too flexible uh, it's not as flexible as the other four mentioned uh, okay. so that's good to know,
0: that's good yeah. to know not all, not all whole life are actually created equal you want to look deeper into it to understand your policy the rider how it exactly works uh for exactly. you as an investment vehicle more so than a insurance vehicle
1: exactly precisely
0: okay Cool. So that's good to know that part. So for example, I'm sure there's a lot of guests out there who actually have insurance, they might have whole life insurance. Um, and they might be one of the four you mentioned, they might be in New York life. Um, okay, so now let's say they do have whole life insurance, what should they look at? And how do they start actually utilizing um, that policy, if they can, towards uh, real estate investing?
1: Yeah, definitely. So the policy has to be properly structured. And what I mean by that is there has to be a healthy balance between base premium and the paid up additions rider. The base premium is the actual life insurance part of the policy and the paid up additions rider. That's what turbo charges the cash the cash value of the policy. So you want to make sure the policy is not 100% base. Like when you hear about, like for example, Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman talk about whole life insurance, they're referring to whole life insurance that's 100% base and how it's a terrible investment because the cash value is so low. But the bank on yourself concept or the infinite banking concept talks about properly structured whole life insurance. And that would be like a 50, for example, like a 50-50 split between base, base premium and then, pay, uh, then 50% paid up additions rider. So that means every dollar you put into the policy, half of it goes towards the life insurance part and the other half goes towards the cash value or the paid up petitions writer. That's really how you turbocharge the cash value of the policy and how you make it liquid and how you can, can even compare with other investment vehicles. So it has to be properly structured from a mutual insurance company. Uh, and those are kind of pretty much the ways to, to the things to look out for.
0: Okay. And for example, um, when do people start buying whole life insurance?
1: It all depends on, uh, I, I think more people would buy it if they knew more about it and how it worked. More people would mm-hmm. buy it, more people would get would invest into whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen clients as young as like 21 do this. And I've seen clients all the way in, you know, that are 75 years old do this. So it kind of really depends on when you want to start actually, well, number one, it depends on when you understand the concept and how it's not just life insurance, it's more than life insurance. And then number two do you want to start taking action towards these things with all our clients we do like a full thorough financial analysis it's, it takes about 60 to 90 minutes to do and during this analysis we ask about you know retirement goals savings you know real estate investing you know how many properties do you want to have by what age or how many doors do you want to have um and then we and we build a bank on yourself policy that will align with those goals so i've again to yeah
0: and You know, even for me, when I talk to clients out there, and I'm not an insurance agent, but you know, I've had I have experience in this uh, field in terms of like just knowing about it and learning about it from family, friends, and everything. Um, Even my kids, at when they're first born, pretty much after they're one years old, uh, they already have whole life insurance policies, and there's different ways to look at it, and I do look at it as ones it's just extra insurance for them, but at the same time. You could accelerate it, and there's a trade-off too. Like in real estate versus, and not really versus, because you do want to uh, be financially diversified. Some people treat it as versus each other. Um, I don't see it that way exactly. And when we talk about that. What does that mean versus each other? Um, some people say, "Hey, I just put all my funds in real estate. I'll invest in real estate. I'll build my wealth in real estate. And if anything happens, hopefully the real estate will take care of itself and take care of the family." That's one way. The other way is say hey, I'll, I'll diversify and I haven't an, I'll slowly add, accumulate whole life insurance policy. I'll slowly add to the additional premium the rider to increase my um you know the portfolio so you can have more cash flow. And there's different ways to look at that. So let's actually we'll talk about that today too how to in your opinion and CPA's opinion and real estate how to best structure it so that way you can actually maximize it. But in that form you can actually say hey, I'll take whole life insurance as well so that I invest in real estate, but if anything happens, my whole life will actually be insurance policy, which actually would cover in case something happens to the estate when you sell on taxation, if there is, you know, and then the other part of it is using the funds available, the cash flow to actually reinvest into real estate while you're living.
1: Yeah, exactly. Matthew. you bring up an interesting point, the versus it's not, it's not mm-hmm. either, or it's not either. I put it, I put money into whole, uh, real estate or I put it into whole life mm-hmm. or I put it somewhere else. It's a matter of like both. And it's integration. Mm-hmm. It's, I want to fund the whole life policy, build it up, use that money for real estate, get the profits from real estate, put it back into whole life and kind of have this like banking system where you have one asset that's the bank on yourself policy that is inclining in value every year. Naturally, regardless of market conditions. Real estate even though it tends to be one of the secure assets, it doesn't always do that. It's not, I'm not saying real estate is bad, I'm just saying real estate does not always guarantee in value regardless of market conditions. We've mm-hmm. seen 2008 that's an example of that. Of course we're recovering from that, but uh, my point is that you want to have at least one asset on in your portfolio that inclines in value regardless of market conditions and that's always liquid too. So you're not necessarily trading cash for a hard asset, and then you can't liquidate that asset unless you sell it. There's a there's a balance between that because real estate investors, and I've seen this a lot with my clients, is there's two problems. One problem is liquidity, they need the cash in order to move around because there's a gap in time, right? Between buying a property, selling a property, renovating it, leasing it out. So liquidity is key. Cash is king in real estate investing. You always need it. But then the alternative problem to that is the, the good problem is when you have cash and you're not investing in real estate, now you're losing an opportunity cost because your money could be earning interest for you and no real estate investor wants their money just sitting in a bank account, not doing anything because you're gonna lose opportunity cost, you're gonna to lose to inflation, etc. So the, the bank on yourself concept, in my opinion, and what I've seen this firsthand is it meets it both ways. It gives you liquidity. And at the same time, it's always increasing in value. It's always inclining in value. So you have, and, and to give you a further example, let's say you have hundred thousand dollars in cash value in a whole life insurance policy. Now let's say you come across a deal, a real estate deal that requires you to invest $50,000 in cash. You can go to your policy, borrow $50,000 from the insurance company, leveraging your $100,000 cash value. Now you have a loan agreement between you and the insurance company that you can, you can control that agreement and the frequency of those payments. Let's say you pay it back over five years now when you borrow this fifty thousand dollars you didn't subtract from your cash value you borrowed against it so your hundred thousand dollar cash value continued to grow uninterrupted it continued to earn interest and dividends from the insurance company as a part of and then your loan there is a there is a loan interest with the loan that you took out of fifty thousand dollars so let's say you did pay back interest of like i don't know it's usually like five percent simple interest which comes out to about two percent apr So let's say you did end up paying back $3,000 in interest to the insurance company. So 53,000, 50,000 plus 3,000 in interest back to the insurance company, your $100,000 cash value continued to incline, continued to grow. And you may have reached like $165,000 over five years. And again, it depends on specific situations, but the point is your cash value would grow and it would outpace what you paid back to the insurance company. You'd have an arbitrage in the policy, an incline of value in the policy. And you would have made money with your $50,000 investment on the outside of the policy. So your money did two things for you. It made money with real estate and it made money in the policy. And this is exactly what banks do. Banks utilize whole life insurance. They borrow from the policies. They give out loans via credit cards, lines of credit, mortgages. They earn interest from those and they earn interest from the insurance companies. So again, it's doing two things for them at the same time.
0: Nice. And I, I heard too, when you pay back your interest, you're actually paying it back to yourself
1: in your account. Is that true? So when you pay back interest, you're paying interest to... Back to your main account,
0: I guess? That-
1: it, it, it actually goes to the insurance company. But yeah, so because- the yeah. yeah, but because you're a mutual owner of the insurance company, mm-hmm. they share those those profits back with you.
0: Okay, so yeah, they share the profits. Uh, if they have any profits after their expenses, they'll share that back as a percentage back to you. Exactly, okay. yes. Okay, and then how about... Um, some people mentioned like dividends. How does that work too with um, bank on yourself and the pol- and the policy? You're accumulating yeah. dividends as well throughout the time period you you invested into your policy, right?
1: Yeah. So the insurance company it's a for profit organization. They are using premium dollars to invest in in other investments. About sixty to eighty percent of their investments are in the bond market, which explains the safety of their investments. And the other twenty to forty percent are in, a, in private loans. So they give loans to other banks, other institutions. Uh, They give loans to the policy owners and they earn interest on those loans. And then after, as you mentioned, at the end of the year, after expenses, there's dividends. And then the dividends go back to the policy owners. It's distributed back to the policy owners. Uh, Now, dividends are not guaranteed, Mm -hmm. but we only work with the uh, insurance companies listed, the four insurance companies listed. And these, these companies have been around for over 160 years and they've been paying dividends for over 160 years. So, again, dividends aren't guaranteed. But we do only work with companies who have been paying dividends for over 160 years and it's not dependent on market conditions so again they've been paying dividends through the great depression through the 2008 market crash and through right now with the the, the pandemic in the, in the market uh, they've always been paying dividends the interest is guaranteed so you're earning, so the, your cash value and your policy grows two ways it grows from interest and from the dividends and combined together uh, you can see an average of like four to six percent compound every year on your money.
0: Yeah, and that's more than banks a lot more. Yeah. So I think you know one of the, one of the things you know people talk about for even for like whole life insurance is like not everyone has whole life insurance, not everyone understands it, not all the insurance agents who actually sell it you know th- teach it in the right way that helps them structure it properly for their families so that's that's the hard part about it finding really good um people to work with who understand and forming a team for example your whole life insurance agent your you know insurance agents your cpas your agents investors right to form a whole team who actually understands the whole concept to work with you to maximize your portfolio and has a goal to align to get together and then work together some of them i see actually you know they they push it one way or the other so that's Mm -hmm. a tough part to find okay so you know to simplify it, like okay, the reason to get whole life insurance, I would say, is the benefit of insurance policy as one main benefit, and this in the other part of it is to use it actually as an investment vehicle. And when you start understanding how to use it, how to use the cash cash from it, how to invest in the cash into it, and um, that gives you uh, multiple benefits, uh, like you just said at first, and that is a great concept uh, to to do. And you know, I think one is finding good people like yourself to help uh, go that route. Some questions I would say, um, even lenders might ask, okay, if they take a loan against your policy, does that affect their loan on their purchasing side of, of a
1: property, right? No, because the, it doesn't, because the way lenders view that cash that you take out from the insurance company, as that's your cash. Yeah. They, they view it as if you just withdrew from another account. They don't look at it as borrowed money, even though it is technically borrowed from insurance company, it's because you're using a personally owned whole life insurance policy they view it as you know like personal cash
0: and that's a good thing too now so say for example you're going to your real estate investor you're just starting out for example uh, you're figuring out where to put your money and you know the banks are not the best place to put your money so you say okay well i need some personal liquid cash right now today i want to put some money into whole life insurance policies and let that accumulate and grow as well and um, i think some people mentioned like the interest is growing, it's tax-free it's itself. You can verify with that with its CPA, mm-hmm. but you're growing, inside your own, you're growing inside your own account. And the good thing about that is because you're paying that premium, you're getting the life insurance policy, but at the same time, you're actually accumulating interest in the money you're putting into your policy. And when you have, for example, 20000 50000 100000 you say, hey, I want to go invest into real estate, go buy mm-hmm. a, a property in some state at a good price point that makes sense for you. You can actually withdraw that money as a loan against yourself and then use that money as your down payment or as part of your down payment to buy that property. And if you have a lot, you could just buy the property cash if you wanted to, but mm-hmm. the loan is always better in a sense just for the investment taxation benefits of that. And then from there, you're, you're using the money, you're borrowing against your policy, but you're having that property. And like you mentioned before, it's because of simplified interest, it's actually at a compounded at a lower rate. So it actually might be more beneficial rate than the loan rate itself, right?
1: Exactly. Yes, precisely.
0: Okay. So then you buy a property, you can start cash flowing positive, And one day you say, Hey, I'm actually going to pay back my policy. And no matter what, even your total uh, cash accumulation, that was already compounding at the higher dollar amount anyways, throughout time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a good way to look at it. So why doesn't everyone do that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think number one is when they hear whole life insurance, their minds close, and they're not to blame for that. It's because of, you know, the media and the way uh, banks and Wall Street have trained us, you know, whole life insurance isn't the hottest thing on there. And again, we're not talking about all whole life insurance from all companies. We're talking about specifically designed whole life insurance, high early cash value. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one reason. Another reason too is people don't, I don't think that people see the need for that right now. So people I think are very driven towards instant gratification where like if I wanted to, for example, get into real estate and I wanted to buy a property, my only my only thought in my mind is how do I get financing for this? It's not necessarily retirement then or saving for the future. Uh, that's a separate topic or a separate subject that might be later on down the years. But I think that you can combine them at the same time. You can think about when I do borrow for this property, I'm going to have retirement in plan because why are you buying this property? You're not buying this property just to buy it. You're buying it for, to build your portfolio, right? To build income, to build your net worth. Why are you doing all of that for possibly for retirement? So by connecting a tool that could help you do more than one thing I think is is important, but people don't necessarily see it that way. And again, they're not to blame. They don't know much about this, which is why I'm, I'm podcasting and getting the message out on this is that it's, you can do both. And you could build up your whole life policy, get into real estate, build for your build a safe retirement for your future all at the same time.
0: And a couple of things I thought about when I actually started, um, whole life insurance when i was like 20 years old and had some uh i still do but for example one thing i looked at too is when you're paying that premium up front at an early age it's a lot cheaper than it is at a later stage and being young you're, he- you're pretty healthy for the most part then you have a good premium you're probably like an a plus on paper mm-hmm. so that's good uh thing i looked at when i started investing in real estate was that okay well y- you still are paying a premium for your policy because it still is a life insurance policy even if you're doing cash and you're accumulating wealth inside of it, you're still paying a premium. And one factor I looked at too was what was the break even point that the money I put in today, how much, how long will it take me to break even? Because the policy still has a expense. The policy, you're paying for the policy, really. And in the first years of the policy, the company is taking money from the policy itself to pay for that premium, right? And then you're still cash advancing, but at the same time, there is a break even point. And that break even point, when I started looking at it, was depending on how much money you're putting in, could have been 12 to 15, 15 years
1: yeah yeah good point matthew mm-hmm. uh so so just hearing 12 to 15 years that mm-hmm. I, i'm assuming that the policy was built as 100 percent base whole life insurance mm-hmm. no okay. paid up additions writer okay. uh, that's yeah. what sort it of sounds like i'm not a, i'm just assuming that mm-hmm. um yeah but i think it was back then yeah the policies we build they can start breaking even between like year two and a half to year three. And you yeah. are right. There are there is a cost to this insurance. It's not too good to be true. Then mm-hmm. there is actual for profit organization mm-hmm. that uses premium dollars to pay for expenses, you know? So in the first couple of years, that's when the insurance premiums are the highest for whole life insurance. But then they start to decrease and eventually your cash value of your policy will exceed what you're putting into it. We've seen it as early as year about two and a half, year three, yeah. depending on how much you can get approved for and how much the premiums are. About 2.5 years in, you can start breaking even. And then after that, your cash value of the policy is outpacing what you're putting into it. And, of course, you can still borrow.
0: And you're absolutely right. And just to clarify mine, that was when you're young, you're a kid, you're building up. And that's like a, you know, a little bit ago, right? Just a couple of years ago, for example. <laughs> but, you know, um, that's one way. So definitely the way you're uh, mentioning customizing it to your plans, because I've seen doctors, dentists, lawyers, uh, big entrepreneurs, investors who actually like you said you know specify the maximum so they're doing like 50 50 where they're actually trying to the goal number one goal is to maximize the cash output Mm -hmm. and minimize the life insurance because that's not their goal my goal, for example, some people's goals might be just protection first, and then slowly increase the asset as you get older and you start having money from jobs to put into it. So it depends on where your level is as a investor, as a person who wants to use this vehicle to grow. You can say, "Hey, let me talk to my consultant investor uh, agent to put the number you feel comfortable with to maximize it." But when you start maximizing it, uh, they talked about it. How the break even points are way lower, and then one day you want to, you can actually pop it as well. And people try not to pop it if they don't need to. And mm-hmm. for me, uh, I'll let you explain what popping it means if you if you like.
1: Yeah, I, I've uh, I've never heard that saying, but I'm assuming it's when you surrender the policy. That's what you. Mean.
0: <laughs> so what they did, um, some doctors, dentists didn't do it. They did was first maximize the, pr- the product, uh, use the funds they needed to invest, and later they're like, okay, I'm done. I pop the policy, so the policy actually just starts paying for itself and accumulates oh. at a slower pace, but. Uh-huh they're not paying any additional premiums into it. It's paying itself, but the percentage gets lower, but they're okay with that because they're older age now. They're done and they're not yeah. worried, but it's still growing. It's just not growing at an accelerated rate. They used to be doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it, for, for example, it could be like a 10 pay policy where you in, you're only putting in premiums for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then after paying 10 years towards the, the policy, you stop paying, but the cash value and the death benefits still grow every year. Yeah. Um. Regardless of market conditions, regardless of, of not putting in any more money, they still continue to grow. So, yeah, definitely. Um, and those are, I, I've seen those as pretty attractive because, you know, even with all the benefits of a whole life, it's still like you're still paying for insurance. You know, So, if you can kind of churn off the paying, and then you could even in some situations pay for 10 years, and then after 10 years, turn on income, and then start receiving income from the insurance company 10 years and still have a death benefit at the end of those 10 years, yeah. you know. So a lot of creative things you could do
0: you're right there is a lot of creative things to do and that's the hard part about it is because uh, i don't know many to be honest i know some and they're pretty good too but i know some who are doing it but not everyone has time to explain it to every single person out there even if you did a seminar or a zoom call anything most people won't come to it because they won't understand up front and they don't know if they trust you to do it to explain it to them so a lot of business has been gained by referrals and cold calling, hard selling, but just trying to provide value, and over time, people understand it and they'll do it. I see a lot of high net worth people doing it, and I also see, I also see some high net worth people who don't believe in it at all. And I think the difference is for them, not for all of us, but for them, they're like, I already have so much money already; it doesn't matter. I don't need the whole life part of it. I can pay for everything myself. Mm-hmm. They don't. They go, I'll just invest the money myself already uh to all the real estate themselves right without the that policy and i would say that's a completely different state of mind and of you know their wealth is completely different from 99 of people where they actually say hey i need multiple vehicles to get to the top right mm-hmm. but there's yeah cpas some doctors lawyers who don't have any whole life at all but they have high net worth
1: so yeah and i think that it's they because they don't know all about this. I think in my opinion, if they knew more about whole life and how you can bend it Mm -hmm. to, to fit your portfolio, to fit your, your reality, um, I think more people would, would purchase these policies and Mm -hmm. become a part of, of this concept.
0: Okay. That's, that's fair. Of course. And I seen some, um, they use it for estate planning as well as additional benefit too. So they they use all your benefits already. Plus the estate planning too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. You know, it's, um, the death benefit is income tax-free, you know, and of course, consult with your tax professional, I'm not giving tax advice, but the the death benefit is income tax-free. So if you have large sums of money that you want to leave for the next generation, um, you can't obviously, you know, talk to your state planning attorney about this, but you can't just pass over cash from one generation to the next generation without a vehicle. It has to be through some sort of legitimate vehicle, you know, and life insurance is one of those. It's arguably, um, the most common one for that, for passing generation from one, for passing wealth from one generation to the next, tax free.
0: Yeah, that's a good point too, because not everyone uh, realizes that. And that, of course, you know, even real estate, we talk about. Hey, make sure you do your trust papers, your uh, whatever you need, uh, and try to stay away from probates, right? And that probate is, you know, eighty thousand plus expenses alone, and time, and headache. That not everyone does it, and people run into that issue. Another thing people don't talk about often and I think we need a lot more education for the entire world just about you know uh planning mm-hmm. and financing and um even for estate planning too that tax benefits uh using your insurance policies to cover uh after the dis- after the minimum so I think right now is like what 10 million right now so after that yeah. 10 million mark then using that policy to pay for the rest rather than selling a property because who wants to sell a property your family just gave you or you inherited right because you mm-hmm. have to pay taxes
1: Yep, exactly.
0: So that's that's why a team is really important to make sure you're covering your bases from every single angle. But it takes time to get to there. So if you're, if you're 18 years old and you're just starting, or even if you're 16 and just starting, you, I'm sh- pretty sure you're not thinking about all these yet um, and having the right person to show you the different ways to build together.
1: Exactly, I agree, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that you know, even if you are young and listening to this, um, You don't necessarily have to start off with, you know, purchasing a whole life policy, but I, my, my advice is start off learning about this, you know, Uh, you know, Matthew and I have mentioned a lot of interesting benefits about this. I would just start off by like learning about this and learning how to think like a bank or thinking like a large corporation, because this is exactly what large banks and large corporations do. They utilize whole life insurance for more than one aspect. Um, And I, and I think that if you can learn about this, at least not necessarily start it, but just learn the concept, learn the process at a young age. Uh, it would definitely help you out in your future.
0: Yeah, I think because it's not like a, for me, it's not like a fun concept to learn. It's an important concept. It's not a fun concept. Yeah. People are attracted to real estate. Hey, real estate investing, you can start at any age. You can invest in some small city, small town and get cash flow positive, right? Make, a, you know, make some money who no one goes out there. I don't think no one goes out there and says, hey, let's learn about whole life insurance. Who wants to talk about dying, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. not exactly the best topic to talk about, and for most people, they probably don't want to hear it, you know, and they just avoid it at all costs. Yeah. So you know, let's jump back into this part of it. So for those like you know, planning for retirement, planning to do bank, learn more about banking yourself, or compare against like traditional retirement plans how do you start them off and get them into the mix of you know having money at the bank having money in 401ks IRAs um, whole life insurance policies investing into real estate how did it feels overwhelming when you're first starting right
1: yeah exactly so I would start this off by asking yourself six questions so if you had all your options your financial options listed in front of you ask yourself these six questions to differentiate them and for you to decide on your own that it is the best, not necessarily somebody telling you this is the best, but for you to make that decision. And the first question is ask yourself in, in regards to fees, how much does it cost uh, to maintain this vehicle and how much will it cost every year to maintain this vehicle? In other words, how much of your gains or how much of your principal is going to go to the maintenance of this vehicle? Ask yourself that first question. The second question, ask yourself about risk. How much is your money at risk? And base that risk on you know historical risk and expected risk, um, but consider the risk aspect of your of your, where your money is sitting and, and its potential. The th- third is think about limits. Are there any contribution limits to this vehicle? Is there a maximum you could add every year? And is that suitable for you, that maximum? What if you make more than that or have more than that and you want to put more into it? Is this a suitable uh, vehicle for you? Number four, think about liquidity. How can you take your money out of this? Is there a way to you take your money out of this? and still own this asset without having to liquidate it or sell it? So the liquidity aspect. And um, number five, integration. Can you integrate it with other investments? Can you do more than one thing with this money? And the last step is your tax liability. Think of how much taxes you have to pay using this vehicle, either from the vehicle itself or the vehicle in connection with your other businesses or other retirement plans you have. Is this gonna en- enhance that or affect that or hinder that? So. Th- Think of these six questions. So it's fees, risk, the limits you can add, liquidity, integration, and tax liability. And then from there, be able to determine which vehicle is best for you. And if we want to take it a step further and kind of break this down into, you know, compare like a a 401k to a bank on yourself concept, we can start from the top with fees. So, number one, with 401ks, they have recurring fees every year, regardless if there's gains or not, you know, between 1% to 2% every year. And those fees can eat up a lot of your, your principal over the years. With the bank on yourself policy, as I mentioned, the fees are the highest in the first couple of years, and that goes to the to the company. Now with us, with our, our firm, we get paid directly from the insurance company. So there's no fee for service for our fees or our work to help you structure these policies. We're not going to charge you every single year like 1% of what you have in the policy just to maintain it. Um, with 401ks, it is like that. And again, I'm not bashing 401ks. I'm just saying... Keep your eyes open to that, to the, to the fee component of that. And then number two risk, you know, 401ks are mostly invested in the stock market. The stock market, again, not a bad place, but there is risk involved. And you have to be willing to accept that risk and and open to that risk with bank on yourself policies. As mentioned earlier, 60 to 80%, 60 to 80% of an insurance company's funds are in the bond market, which explains the safety. We work with insurance companies who have been paying dividends and interest back to insurance to the policy owners for over 160 years. So I think insurance companies are would be the last company standing. If the whole world collapsed if every business collapsed, insurance companies would be the last standing because of the way they they're function, the way they're regulated. Uh, so in terms of risk, bank on yourself would definitely win in that aspect. The third, contribution limits. 401ks, the contribution limit is like $20,000 a year. Um, what if you make more than that? And you have more, and you want to add more towards that vehicle. Then a four hundred one k, you're gonna max that out at nineteen thousand or nineteen thousand five hundred or twenty thousand. I can't remember exactly what it is, but somewhere around there. Um, then you're gonna to have to move on to another vehicle. So think of the contribution limits with Bank on yourself. There are no contribution limits if structured properly with the right agent. There are ways to overfund a policy to add more in and, and to ha- virtually have no limits at all with your policy. And then number four, liquidity. If you put money into four hundred one k, you can't use that same money for real estate investing you could do a 401k loan but that's not going to be favorable favorable for you when you're using that money for real estate investing so in other words it's not a it's not something that you could uh, liquidate also you can't take money out of a 401k until you're 59 and a half if you do so before then there's a tax liability so again not very liquid not a very liquid um, asset and the same thing with integration you can't use your money for more than one thing. You can't use it for your business. You can't use it for real estate and you know investing in the stock market all at the same time. With the bank on yourself, you can. Your money can do more than one thing for you. And the last part, the tax liability part, uh, the bank on yourself policies grow tax deferred, meaning that even if there are gains in the policy and the policy is increasing in value every year, you don't have to claim that on your taxes, that, that you had an asset increase in value. With all the other accounts you do, You know, with the stock uh, stock accounts you do, when you take money out of a stock account, you have to pay taxes on it. Bank on yourself policies. You don't have to take. You don't have to pay tax in most situations. You don't have to pay taxes when you take the money out. And again, consult with your tax professional about this. But it, it, the long story short about bank on yourself policies, it grows tax deferred, and then when you take the money out, it's tax free, even though, even if there are gains in the policy. Four hundred one k's don't work like that. You they're tax deferred, and you don't pay taxes that year, but you you pay taxes on them later on in the future. But of course, taxes are going to be much higher in the future um, for numerous reasons due to the, the, the interest on national debt, the social security budget, Medicare budget, a lot of uh, government fiscal reasons why taxes will increase in the future. But, um, you pretty much want to be able to convert your money from the tax bracket you're in to the 0% tax bracket using whole life insurance. So I'll kind of take, I know I just spoke a lot. I'll just stop right there.
0: That, that's perfect. That's a uh, great explanation and you know everyone should, should replay this video of course to go through all the step by steps and there's more uh, different uh, things I even thought of and other clients have thought of too and we can talk about advanced topics like that. <laughs> Let's just say that's a starting point. There's actually more yeah. advanced ways to utilize the funds. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about that as well and kind of go through that but it makes sense. And I think the reason one thing you said tax, uh, tax deferred or tax free for the policy is because you're actually paying the interest back as a loan to the policy so that's why you're deferring the taxes on it because you're it's a loan against you but you're actually using that fund and let's say one day you're not here that policy will kind of cover itself anyways because you're paying back using the policy insurance policy to cover back the loan debt and then taking the cash accumulation back to yourself anyways that's mm-hmm. another way to look at it so you don't technically have to pay yourself back or pay yep. the intern, interest back but you are occurring interest so you want to watch out for that as well yep okay so is there any cons to all this things that yeah, we should, yeah. people should be aware of?
1: Yeah, there is a capitalization period. You know, it's not free money. You actually have to, you know, get build up the discipline to store money somewhere and and have the discipline to, to commit to those payments. So, you know, if you're committing to, you know, $500 a month for 20 years, uh, it might be tough for people to come up with that, you know, every single month. And there's ways you know there's flexibility involved so if you did end up doing that you don't have to commit to 100 of 500 a month but you do have to commit to paying for your premium uh, every year uh, if you do t- if you do borrow from the loan you have to commit to paying back that loan you don't want your policy to lapse in coverage or just kind of ruin all that hard work you built up so i think that's the con of, of doing all of this is that it takes discipline it takes you know it takes thinking outside the box You're not necessarily just, you know, putting your money somewhere, you know, how much ROI can I get on this? If I gave you a dollar, how much you'd give me back? It doesn't necessarily work like that in the beginning with this policy, there will be gains and your, your money will multiply over time, but not in the beginning.
0: Yeah, I think there's even a table too. So when they give you a policy, you actually get a table. It shows you an accumulation of funds and your growth and the cash values and okay. potential dividends, for example. But you can kind of see, okay, after X years, you're growing this much. And after so many years, it'll start substantially growing. Mm-hmm. And you look at that and you say, hey, if I can continue paying the policy throughout time, no matter what. I'm going to hit these numbers, and it's going to be super beneficial. And after all the calculations, you're actually doing really well with it. But you have to be disciplined to say hey, this is part of my portfolio, and you can invest X money to that uh, portfolio. Then you, it, it works. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a like trade exactly. off right now. Um, and one thing I thought people mentioned too: some people ask me, "Hey, should I put money for my kids away in some college fund?" whole life insurance, real estate, uh, it really depends on your how much money you have. But, you know, I see some people actually put money into whole life insurance for the kid and say, hey, for example, I'm going to accelerate it so the by, by the time they're 18 years old, it'll pay for all the college uh, because I, because they accelerated X amount to cover that cost upfront when they were one years old.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm working on a policy right now. Uh, it was a newborn policy, a girl newborn, and the grandfather's paying into the policy every every month. By the time, um, by the time the granddaughter is 18 years old, I forgot what the numbers were, but it was like she would have $400,000 in like cash value, and they won't have to pay any more into the policy. So yeah, definitely, it's because of compound interest mainly. That's the reason why. It's because of compound interest, and over time, the policy would just accumulate and compound. And, it, and I think it would be perfect for for college funding, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think when um, insurance agents tell clients that way, hey, if you're looking to save money for your kids, this is a great way to do it. If you compare it to college funds, here's all the benefits of it. Here's the cost, here's the benefits, but it outweighs the, the cost. And then for others, investors, if you want to start investing in real estate, no matter how old you are, this is an additional way to go there, you know, you know, in a long-term form, but to get to gain more wealth together is another way. Um, mm-hmm. A third way I actually want to talk about today too. If you, if you, um, I don't know if you ha- have done that. Uh, I see some people use um, like corporations. So they they're self-employed. They use a the corporation, and what happens is in the corporation, C corp, F corp, whatever it may be. And you talk to your tax advisors, of course, right? But what they, I see them do is they'll have a corporation. They're a real estate agent, investor, whatever. They'll use the corporation money to buy whole life insurance policies they'll they'll accelerate the policies and then reinvest into real estate through the corporation. And they're also saying, because it's the corporation, I can write off all these policies because I'm taking it as, um, as expense in the company versus personal. You can't take it the expense. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's actually a very beautiful thing to do. Um, I've seen that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the whole life policy would be owned by the business. It would yep. be a, an asset on their balance sheet. Mm -hmm. And then in some situations it's uh, tricky to do this, but it's possible where the contributions from the corporation to the policy are tax deductible. They don't have to pay taxes on that. Um, They get a, just like as if it was another expense, another business expense. And now they have like a bank account in the policy that they can borrow from and then use for the real estate, real estate investments and then pretty much have somewhere to, in other words, it's like an oxygen tank for the business, somewhere that can supercharge the business and grow the business on a, ta- a very tax favored basis. And also, when you go to sell that business, the value of the whole life policy that's owned by the corporation reflects the value of it. So, for example, if you have a corporation that's worth a million dollars, you add a whole life policy with cash value of $500,000, that automatically increases the value of the business to $1.5 and it's liquid. 500000 of that is liquid cash. Which the next buyers and investors love to see. They love to see a liquid asset on there that'll incline in value every year, regardless of market conditions. So, yeah, Matthew, definitely, it could be it could work perfectly with corporations.
0: Yeah, and they're using that to also protect the, the, the general partners and the, as an p- insurance policy as well, just in case something happened. But they knew when they're adding more general partners, they just kept buying more policies and kept accelerating it with their funds. Mm-hmm. So they kept growing this company, these companies bigger and bigger, and using it towards real estate investing. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, And I've seen some other other people, I like just say personal people, I've seen them talk about, okay, whole life insurance is a great way. How about this idea? Um, I'll take, I have property, I have really good equity. And the equity, just say, for example, the interest rate super low for HELOC. They'll take that HELOC money and then they'll uh, borrow against it and they know they're getting, um, they're ge- they're saving on the interest anyways because they're writing it off taxation wise. They're mm-hmm. writing off the interest, right? So they use that money and they put it into whole life policy and accelerate it per every year. They just dump the maximum in every year, and then they also put it to sub IRAs as well. And mm-hmm. they're they're calculating it. So those guys are using CPAs, they're using tax attorneys and everything, but they're calculating, maximizing HELOCs, maximizing sub IRAs, max for real estate invest- syndications investing, maximizing whole life insurance policies, and just funneling all the money around, you know. So everything's growing together and, and corporations too.
1: Yeah. So eventually these corporations are making more money in their accounts than they would be from, in some situations, from the actual revenue of the company, you know? Uh, yeah, because they're, they're very financially sound and they're not, and a key thing about this is that if you keep reinvesting your money back into your business, that's a good thing too. You know, you, you want to build up your business, but you have to remember that when you keep reinvesting your money back into your business, you're still working for that money. Rather in this situation, as Matthew mentioned, you uh, your your money is working for you when you're parking your money in the right places, earning compound interest, growing your money is going to be working for you rather than you having to work for money.
0: And so, by doing all this stuff, by banking on yourself, you're you're thinking this is a this is a great way to protect your wealth, right, and to also grow your wealth. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: so how do people get started uh, with you on doing that? Yeah. So uh, the first step is we do a financial analysis call. It's a confidential financial analysis. It takes about 60 to 90 minutes to do. And this is where we go through your, your financial picture, your financial situation to see where you're at, where you want to go. Some of your real estate goals or other business goals. And then we do a second call. That's the personalized solution call. It's when we structure a a whole life policy or bank on yourself type whole life policy. Uh, based on what we uncover in the financial analysis call. so it's there's different companies, different products, different amounts it, it, it all depends so we can it's hard for us to guess on which company which product it is. that's where the analysis comes in from we, we get a, it, it gives us a better idea of how to structure that policy and then from there after the personalized solution call, the second call then we execute and submit the policy. it takes usually this medical underwriting involved it takes about four to six weeks of medical underwriting. do and all this can be done virtually by the way we we never have to meet face to face i we we work in with all 50 states so um pretty much it's the analysis call the solution call and then we submit it to underwriting and then about four to six weeks it gets approved and then you can start funding the policy and then we do a six month review every six months to see where you're at where the cash value is at where your loans are at where other other things are working out and we see do we need to improve anything? Do we need to change anything? Is this all working out? Is this is this going down the path we thought it was going to go? And we compare that, we test that out every six months.
0: Good, and I would say it's good to you know, for example, if you're even if you're starting, or even if you're already in the midway, you know, working with you, working with the CPA, working with investor syndicator like me, mm-hmm. uh, investing in real estate, then you can have a team together. So you have the real estate syndicator investor, you have, uh, IRA, IRA companies and SEP IRAs. and you have you for the whole life insurance policy and CPAs and lawyers to go through it. And you're building a team over time, regardless of how old you are, then you can work together to structure the best way to build and protect your wealth. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that a team. It's all about the team. Yeah. And that makes
0: sense because you can say, hey, based on this, here's the numbers that Syria provides, here's the output, here's the estimate of time, and here's the value we can utilize to grow. And then from here, let's put into real estate investing. While you're still always doing that one, you're growing your real estate investment portfolio as well, protecting all your assets in case anything happens. The whole life insurance covers your family. So you have the extra protection as well. And your money is just growing overall and you're protecting your family and building wealth for generational wealth, which is, I like to build generational wealth.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're bulletproofing this, as you mentioned. We're we're looking at all the risks, everything that can go bad, and we protect against each one of those.
0: Okay, I love that. I think everyone. I think everyone needs that. I think everyone needs to talk more about it, to share more about it, to share who they work with, who they like, why, and to look at policies, all the different policies, to which makes the most sense. To mm-hmm. look at your funding, to understand it. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. It just mm-hmm. has to be some money for for a long term to grow, to get and keep building it and accumulating it. But once you see it actually working, then you and you understand the financial picture, the education piece of it, then you actually it makes sense, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes, exactly. Cool.
0: Okay. So, how can people actually? As I guess, one thing too is, what other information should people know about um, Banking on yourself right now?
1: Yeah. So uh, we talked about uh, the investment components of it. We talked about the risks. We talked about the mindset. Um, we talked about how large banks do this, how corporations do this. I think we uncovered we a lot of stuff yeah um i i think keep learning about this it's it's almost impossible just to kind of just listen to this one podcast and 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 soak this all in listen to other podcasts read books about this uh two books i recommend the bank on yourself revolution by pamela yellen and the second book is becoming your own banker by nelson nash who invented the bank the infinite banking concept so these two books are very powerful. And then there's a lot of content on YouTube, a lot of videos, podcasts, learn, digest this stuff, learn it very thoroughly, and then reach out to us for a free consultation. Um, and also as a special Matthew for your listeners, if they reach out and they say they reached out from your show, mm-hmm. I will uh, send them a free copy of become uh, sorry of the Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. It's like $15 on Amazon. But I'll send it to them for free via Kindle if they say they came from your podcast.
0: Okay, we'll be sure to put that in our show notes so that everyone can see that and access it in, in our uh, postings. I appreciate that for our for all the guests out there, and definitely all the guests. Um, let Siri know any questions about banking or yourself, about whole life insurance policies. He covers all fifty states. Um, you know, I would say definitely talk to them no matter what point you're at in your uh, business, your career, your investing. No matter how much or little you know you just make it's always good to look into it to find out how to utilize it how to protect your family how to grow and it is a consideration that should be considered um i have done it for 20 plus years for my family so i know uh, that's why i'm speaking kind of from it from experience i already i've been through a lot of it so i just jumped right in and just talk about you know the basics the advanced things i've been through things my clients go through things we discuss and work with our teams on um but any questions reach out to surrey and how can they reach out to you
1: they can go to finassetprotection.com. It's fin protection.com.
0: And they can always email you too and um, ask you any questions from there. And then any guy, anything about real estate investing, feel free to ask me. Feel free to ask our team anything you need, and we'll put you with the right teammates that we work with, like Siri, uh, to connect to make sure that you are building it together, right? Yep. Cool. Thanks so much. I know this podcast went by really fast. And- uh, a lot of fun i think we need to get you back on a future podcast soon to talk more yeah. about it and i went really quickly um but any, any last words before we end it here
1: no just remember to always think like a bank that's
0: that's good i, I think we should show them the financial model i seen the the f- model from before where the company puts out hey for example like 70 percent actually goes into whole life insurance policies bonds uh some yeah. stock but if you look at the percentages of how the banks work and how um life insurance policies work the companies work then you want to kind of copy the model because they've been doing it for over
1: 160 plus years they're doing something right right exactly don't just give them your money do what they're doing actually
0: okay cool so we'll reach out to you soon talk more about that and for everyone out there check us out the truth about real estate on you know facebook youtube and apple podcast and we'll talk to you guys soon